0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Tech Trends Podcast, where we discuss the latest manufacturing technology research and news. I am Benjamin Moses, the Director of Technology at AMT, and I'm here with...
1: Stephen Lamarca, Technology Analyst at AMT.
0: Steve, how are you doing on this nice hot summer winter day, or hot winter I,
1: day? Dude, I am ready to sit back. <laughs> um, you know, we just wrapped up. Well, IMTS Spark is wrapping up. Yep. Uh, it was a really fun time. It was awesome to see, you know, on top of Everybody in industry, everybody in manufacturing uh, pivot during the pandemic to create, whether it's PPE or ventilators Mm -hmm. from what they were making before, uh, to see, you know, uh, everybody at AMT pivot from hosting a week-long show (laughs) at the end, what was supposed to take place at the end of last year, to nearly six months of digital streaming content. That's right. Is, is incredible it was a fun time yeah it was a lot of work and uh i should certainly not say i'm as exhausted as other i know other people are really <laughs> really pooped probably definitely but, uh,
0: yeah that's a good observation today uh marks uh a very special episode it marks the end of spark uh which is on march 15th uh, the journey started on September 20th, uh, September-ish. You know, we had IMTS Network Week, and then we kicked off uh, Spark right after that. And it's run all the way till March the following year. And that's a really long time, uh, especially at the beginning of uh, the COVID pandemic. A lot of conferences were doing uh, digital events that were a day, a couple of days maybe. Peter said, hold my beer. We're doing six months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it it's great, you know, and you, uh, I think hit on a key element of, um, of Spark is that there's so much industry support. So our partner uh, content um, companies that helped out, and then all the industry that we brought to Spark itself doing interviews and um, participating. So it was, it was really amazing to see the um, industry-wide support and the diversity in, in industry, right? I think manufacturing does get a kind of bad name, which it could be fair in some cases or it could not be fair, that there's not, not much diversity in manufacturing, but there's a wide variety of, um, demographics, people, background that, uh, came to spark and help support the content. Um, so, you know, what's your emotion today, Steve, Do you, you mentioned you're uh, a little tired. Of course I am too, or I just finished the, uh, Tom and Lonnie chat, uh, an hour or two ago. Um, and it's, uh, it feels good to take a break in between. Uh, but uh, yeah, what's your emotion I mean, today?
1: Um, Happy happy T- tired but really happy it was yep. it was fun it was exciting um uh but uh you know i think everybody really got to develop a whole lot right in, in, uh, and personally and as a professional like i mean i don't I never anticipated being in front of a camera as much as I've been <laughs> in the last six months. Yep. Um, it actually goes back further than six months because, of course, we produced a lot of this stuff before yeah. uh, IMTS Network Week and then Spark. But uh, no, I'm 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 ready for a break. <laughs> but I'm also really excited to get back into it. <laughs>
0: yeah, let's talk about that, Steve. So some of the stuff that we prepared uh, kicking off the early stages of IMTS was uh, Road trip with Steve. Um, yeah. What, what were some of your favorite parts About uh, Road Tripping with Steve
1: So uh, man we've touched On Road Tripping with Steve so much uh, in, in recent Episodes of the podcast like whether it was You know our, our, our wrapping Up uh, 2020 episode I forget when it was but we talked I've, I've talked about Road Tripping with Steve Enough to know that uh, Every Stop in the trip at one point I have said was my favorite part of the trip <laughs> So I will. I this time, and if this is the final time, I will say that my favorite part of doing road tripping with Steve was all of the awesome feedback that I that I received directly to me from viewers, uh, from you know family members, yep. friends, colleagues, uh, s- telling me how much uh, they loved. Uh, seeing me on camera and, and, and the stuff that I was talking about. That's cool. Um, I, I re, But more important than the, the most important of all those people that I got feedback from, mm-hmm. it was really my favorite part was hearing um, from members and potential members. Oh, cool. Uh, people in industry that liked it, that were reaching out and not like in like some – uh, cringy, like, ooh, we want you to come here next because <laughs> sure. we see this as free advertisement. Sure, like you need content. Don't-. No, no, they were like, we loved what you did. Nice, like, like, please come visit us. <laughs> come visit us. You That's know, we amazing. can accommodate cameras if you want. Sure, but just like, like, you know, um, I, there was a handful of people that reached out like that, and um, it's a second season of road tripping with Steve. Yep is not planned yet, but it's in the works. It's gonna happen. Okay, There's no plan is what I mean, but awesome. it's, we're planning on it. Um, I I don't know where I'm gonna go because like, you know, <laughs> season one of Road Tripping with Steve was New England. Sure. And there were people in New England that reached out to me after seeing it. And they were like, oh, you need to come back now. <laughs> you need to come back. I was like, well, we just did New England, but you know, uh, maybe we can do like one-off episode something sure. like that. Of course And New England there's is There's a ton favorite. of people New England is my favorite uh, Place of all of the Americas Yeah uh, But uh, there was uh, uh, Of course a handful of Members and mm-hmm. potential members I'd like to think uh, In the Midwest Okay That want me to come out there And um, So you,
0: where would you like to go Either geographically or Technology focused wise, or because I enjoy it really. I do enjoy going to the Midwest. That's I only get to go to the coast for most of my travel. So, going I took a trip to see Metal Quest, I think that was Nebraska, and it was really interesting to see the different change of pace in the Midwest. And it was uh, cool to see the uh, um, geography
1: there. Realistically, I'll start with realistically. Realistically, I, I, I think. I really want to go to the Midwest next okay. because, you know, that's the heart of a lot of American manufacturing sure. is out in the Midwest. Sure. I think naturally it's the next stop. We did New England first because it's the closest. It's on. Right. We're on the East Coast. Uh, New England's on the East Coast. Yep. And I'm comfortable with going up to New England, sure. you know. Uh, especially in like the northern northern parts of New England, <laughs> the population's not as dense. Right. Then again, I you know I take all that back and I eat my words when I say that we also visited on the way back New Jersey. Um, <laughs> I but it, it's, <laughs> it, it's crazy. The New Jersey Turnpike was <laughs> wide open when we hit. It is. Yeah, I promise you, strange, it is that? not that wide open now <laughs> because <laughs> no joke. I you know I, I was telling you before we started recording that I took Charlie out um, for a walk uh, right before we got on this meeting. And that was at right before two o'clock. Sure. The exit for, so right outside my apartment complex is 495. Yep. When I take Charlie out to do his morning, afternoon and evening business. Right. Uh, after his meals, you know, we're literally looking at a uh, barbed wire fence, uh-huh. a, you know, a sound, one of those sound barriers. Oh, and then sure. there's a t- like a 20 foot drop down. And then it's the Capitol beltway. Right. And right outside, like that part of the Capitol Beltway is um, uh, going south. And the first exit at after like my location on the Beltway is sixty six. The exit to sure. sixty six yep. at two o'clock. Not even two o'clock. Two forty five. It backed is up. backed up. <laughs> We're supposed to be still in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. why why is the the capitol beltway backed up already and of course it, that part of the capitol beltway is backed up because that's going to 66 right. why is it, of course 66 is backed of up course. in the middle of pandemic i have a handful of snapchats uh documenting that but um <laughs> realistically next up um the midwest midwest that's gonna be amazing. in my heart <laughs> And this is not the right move, but in my heart, I want to go right back to New England, <laughs> of course. Because, and I'm going to say this without mentioning a name because number one, they're not a member, so sure. if they don't get this. They don't get the advertisement yet. Um, number two, it would be an incredible bias. But there is a company up in New England that makes cutting tools. They grind carbide cutting tools, sure. and uh, out of a proprietary blend carbide. Um, I've tried to squeeze it out of them. They wouldn't tell
0: me. (laughs) Wouldn't tell you the (laughs) recipe.
1: And I know this company because when we bought the pocket NC, the pocket NC came with a carbide cutting tool, single flute carbide cutting tool, eighth inch um, for cutting milling plastic. Sure. And, that tool is still probably the best tool that uh, <laughs> I have for that machine, right? And I love buying cutting tools from that company. That awesome. company, I, I stand behind that company. Yep. Um, if you go on Instagram, Instagram machinists sure. stand by that company, that is their favorite tool to buy. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, seriously. like yeah. and and it was so awesome that, you know, after road tripping with Steve debuted, I don't know if it was wrapped up by then somebody reaches out to me mm-hmm. from this company uh, and they're like, dude, um, we just opened a 70,000 square foot facility <laughs> and we would love for you to come back and, 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 you know, we'd sure. love to give you a sure. tour. You don't have to film there, but we'd just love to show you the place. That'd be cool. and it was like, and I was just like, he was telling me all this and like, you know, talking about what they're doing and the process and like, you know, it's the middle of winter right now. You probably don't want to come back up here until, uh, you know, the snow is gone. Right. And all I can think about is like, this is my favorite cutting tool. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously I can't say their name now because it'll make a lot of (laughs) top dollar, uh, uh, members really mad at me. Next time you're Um, on vacation,
0: (laughs) Steve, take a vacation day and go. Yeah. I'll have to take a vacation
1: (laughs) there, but it was really cool hearing from them. Um, and you know, it, it was just people like that. Yeah. So th- th- that's where the first place I want to go. Um, but I think it'll probably be Midwest for sure. the second season. Let's talk about um, also
0: about uh, outside the shop. We didn't talk too much about during that uh, during the uh, podcast. But yeah, um, you know, you visited uh, the East uh, Initiative, and there's some really cool things that happened in your outside right, the, the East, shop.
1: So the East it, So season one, Jules, Adam, and I with no camera crew it was yep. mostly adam and i was supposed to be a boom mic person <laughs> and i was a terrible at it because these kids and they were kids <laughs> they're students but they're, they're kids sure. man well, guys. they were telling us on camera like these awesome projects that they were doing for school yep. using manufacturing technology cool. and i was such a terrible boom mic person because while well, i'm like so <laughs> Are you serious? Like you can audibly hear me While I'm supposed to be totally silent Holding this mic them. But um, that was in uh, um, Not Little Rock, Arkansas um, Hot Springs, Arkansas Okay, Love cool the, uh, Highly recommend visiting that part of the country yep. Hot Springs, it was dirt cheap And in like, like Fantasy land beautiful nice it was absolutely incredible in weather very similar to here yeah um if not like a two-week delay cool I think that's how Jules described it but that was beautiful <laughs> um that was season one of Outside the Shop sure and season three which has not been filmed yet um and I don't think that's been planned yet either sure but uh, anyway I don't even know why I mentioned season three season is in the works Jules and Adam are planning that out I don't know where we're going But I do know that um, Jules uh, contacted Adam and I recently asking about, she she like forwarded an email to us saying that we were invited, the three of us were invited to be judges for the next Easton initiative conference. And so Adam and I were like, absolutely, (laughs) you know, uh, signed up and applied. So hopefully we can be judges on the next season (laughs) outside the shop. That's
0: going to be amazing.
1: Outside the shop season two, we um went to uh Ryan's neck of the woods, San Francisco. Oh, that's right. Uh, and we visited the Autodesk, uh, West Coast Tech Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and got to interview and, and see what all of their uh resident uh companies are doing there. Cool. You know, Autodesk, everybody thinks of them as like, you know, the CAD-CAM company or a CAD-CAM company. Um, And they also do things for like architects and stuff too, software company uh, for modeling. Um, But the cool thing is they actually bolster a lot of startups in Mm -hmm. manufacturing, in the manufacturing industry. And it's really cool. They find these awesome people and they offer residencies to them and then they train them on manufacturing technology not yeah. and we're not just talking about additive and and robots but like like they have a wood shop there sure. and of course you know autodesk one of like the most advanced manufacturing facilities on they have a west coast and east coast and i got to for um road tripping with steve i got to visit the the east coast one mm-hmm. in in uh boston yep. but um, Their West Coast, like it, either of them, doesn't matter which one. You go to Autodesk; everybody thinks Autodesk has this awesome, forward-thinking, advanced manufacturing technology facility. They still have a Bridgeport there, <laughs> and, and I'm like, yes,
0: That good old Bridgeport. I swear, if, if there's like, yeah, man, if we go to a factory and don't see Bridgeport, I would, I would question my life. Questions, too. sus, <laughs> mad sus. That's amazing. Awesome. I'm really looking forward to the type of content getting into IMTS um, next year. Um, and also, you know, AMT is looking at continuing some of this conversation. So uh, Spark will uh, eventually uh, dwindle down and uh, we'll also mention where we can keep seeing uh, if you guys want to keep watching some of the other content that you missed uh, in Spark. But before we do that, uh, I want to hit on some, you know, highlights and some um, some interesting things that occurred during Spark. You know, some of the articles that we talked about and also some of the interesting conversations that we had Um with some of the people that we had on spark you know one of the the biggest takeaway that i noticed the past six months or so was everyone should be aware of australia (laughs) between their uh growth of artificial intelligence in defense and their focus on manufacturing and bringing advanced advanced manufacturing technologies into the country it's very fascinating to see one how much effort that they're putting into it but also the information that's coming out of australia about their focuses
1: yeah and and not that how much effort that they've put into it uh but uh how far along they are with their efforts
0: true it's very mature
1: like they're not some (laughs) this sounds insulting they're not some like third world country like they're they're near superpower (laughs) in like manufacturing and i had no idea
0: yeah it, it does Here feel I like they're supposed to be like yeah. it does feel like they've come out of nowhere but you know some of the articles that we covered was uh they're they want to start making their own submarines so they have the one yeah. of the world's largest machine tool to uh, start manufacturing that right um their artificial intelligence for drones um so i wouldn't call it sentient of course but you know i think they're fairly mature technology and uh some of the additive use cases are are very fascinating so definitely recommend uh checking some of those out
1: Australia if, if you have to if somebody ever says to you you know instead of like watching like a company like as if it's like talking about the stock market like who, which company do you think is really blowing up in in, in uh, you know the stock market yeah if somebody asks you which country is really blowing up in um, manufacturing technology my two answers my three answers would be your top three right away. Right. I don't know what's happening to Germany, but I'm worried about it because <laughs> I haven't really heard much out of Germany. a little quiet. But uh, the top three, U.S., obviously. Yeah. I don't know where they place. Yeah, I've got internal bias, so sure. I'm not going to place them in the top. I'm going to place them in top three. I just don't know. But the other two countries, Australia is definitely up there. Sure. And I think it's really close for first place between Australia and – um uh south korea
0: south korea yeah
1: korea like hyundai and their automation is well korea and their automation sure like the most sure. robots per capita yeah that's impressive it's really cool
0: uh one of the other things that has come around in the past couple of months was security surprise cybersecurity is a problem <laughs> especially <laughs> in manufacturing <laughs> you know i think the some of the hot things that came out were some of the like day one patch, uh, um, zero day penetrations like on solar winds. And Microsoft just had a fairly f- significant breach um, on their, I think it was their exchange. Was it
1: Microsoft or was it Intel? Uh,
0: I thought Microsoft had one on their exchange. That's why there was a recent patch okay. on the exchange server. But Intel could have too. Uh, who knows?
1: I, I think Intel's in some like hot water recently. <laughs> it wouldn't too, be right? surprised. Yeah. All of them are in hot water. Everybody's Nvidia, in hot water. AMD, yeah. Intel. Like I don't know what's going on with those silicon companies.
0: <laughs> the breaches left and right. Uh, video game industry is getting hacked and source code stolen. So there's a lot of. And we can't even get the hardware. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just completely frustrated. But, you know, the the key is uh, security has really reared its head in terms of, uh, you know, I think probably with the uh, early elections, or the elections for the previous president that, you know, there's potential tampering and then that's progressed into it feels like every every month there's a new breach or there's a new hack or there's a new phishing scheme coming around and. You know it's it's really more pronounced that the value of some decent uh security measures it's it's grown significantly um
1: absolutely and we had a great meeting recently mm-hmm. with um you know one of our aim com- uh, aim committee members um scott and uh was it aim uh, was t- it technology company? issues committee tick yep. uh and uh of course we had Yonda nice mm-hmm. and um uh mike Mucken yep. from lockheed who are absolutely smes <laughs> uh, if not like you know the people who you go to when you want to talk about cyber physical security right and like what was funny was um i forget what event on imts spark it was mm-hmm. but we got some we had a, somebody asked a question uh in one of the events and it was related it was an, uh, a pretty important person sure. who asked this question. And uh, Jules actually forwards the question to me. He's like, Hey, do you mind taking a stab at this question <laughs> and telling me how to answer it? And sure. I was like, you know, what, what are the question was basically, what are some things um, uh, manufacturing companies can do mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, help battle against security breaches yep. and stuff like that. And me, Being the snarky person that was thinking about something, working on something else at the moment and saw the notification pop up, read the question. And I say, tell them to update their drivers, (laughs) get the most recent Windows security patch and uh, service package or or even install like the latest operating system and be done with it. They're going to be fine. (laughs) (laughs) And Jules was like are you sure you want me to uh, <laughs> say that to them? I mean, it's, it, do you think that will come off as me blowing them off? And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Ask Ben.
0: <laughs> I do remember receiving that question. It was funny that you bring that up because I didn't know how I got to that point, but I was definitely brought in that loop. And yeah, it's it's interesting that, you know, you look at your personal life and how that projects to your company and industry. Mm-hmm. But in the end, yeah, there's a couple of like rules or best practices to follow, and we keep talking about the NIST fi- uh, cyber framework, and that's a really, really good starting point, but it's gotten to the yeah. point where the U.S. government said, we've had enough of this, let's dump a ton of money with a private partner, private-public part uh, relationship, and let's start a manufacturing institute just on security itself. So there's an institute out of Texas uh, called the Simani um, Institute, and all their focus is is, is security in the industrial sector. Um, particularly in manufacturing, and that's sponsored by the Department of Energy. Of course, they feel that if they can reduce the burden of security, they can reduce the energy load in manufacturing. So it's kind of a uh, payback through reducing uh, energy usage. And I think that's very smart. Um, and, and it, you know, they're investing tons and tons of money into this. So and that's why I responded to that question is, you know, uh, follow some basic guidelines. There's, there's best practices already. So there's um, follow the best practices and that'll get you pretty far. The right. writer, the caveat to that is there's a lot of penetrations just from the office side of your manufacturing area. You know, people bringing random USB drives into the professional yeah. computers, people getting phishing schemes and, and people getting socially engineered to get hacked are really, really big problems. And those are usually in the back office environment. You know, you, you the social, social engineering schemes are coming from, or be, uh, are targeting executives in the company, so while yeah, you should worry about your operations and indirect attacks and you know your USB drives on your um, on your yeah. machine. Hot gluing
1: your USB ports isn't enough. <laughs> which
0: you know to be fair, if there's a problem, stop putting USB drives on computers. Which you know you probably can't do because you probably have to do local up. Whatever, but the culture of security should be more of a holistic organization look. And I think that's kind of the gap that a lot of the industry sees, or i am seeing in the industry is that, hey, it's a really big problem and it's a whole organization problem. And that's the, that's the thing that Lockheed was talking about uh, where you know, they're applying what they see are best practices across industry, uh, the industrial sector in general. So uh, not just manufacturing, but what are other companies doing and how are they uh, applying firewalls and security measures. Uh, so they've been following like IIC and uh, some other industrial groups, industrial security groups, and their whole architecture has been put together in a way to mitigate. Uh, it's called east-west communication. So if I go through a company, you know, you go north and south through the different layers of the organization. I go through the main firewall, then a building, then a then a um, you know a room, then a um, a device. Um, Those north north south communication. So they've mitigated their uh, device to device uh, penetration um, as much as they can, but that's created a burden on security where they have trouble communicating out the information that they want. So if they want to remote into something, it's actually very, very difficult for them. So they're hitting operational issues because of their information technology uh, issues. So I think we're really at a fun time where uh, people are willing to talk about the architectures and the type of problems in addition to the rise of digital manufacturing where we want this connectivity, but we also want to make it secure. So it's, it's fascinating times.
1: It, you know, I get where I think some more uh, of, of the, uh, the Luddite uh, not, that's not fair, but more like traditional uh, machine shops, you know, sure. would think uh, that, you know, I, I went from having nothing but like some drill presses <laughs> and, you know, bridge ports sure. and some LeBlanc lathes, yep. uh, you know, and, and now you're telling me I need an IT department? I was like, <laughs> sure. yeah, sure. it's crazy. But like, yep. you, you want to maximize all of this. Uh, you you want to maximize your productivity. You got to go digital. And if you're going to go digital you need security and your security is your IT department and that's come up competent IT department. Yep. And and the IT department can only be as competent as, you know, the owner of a shop. Sure. Sure. Because you gotta, you gotta hand over the reins. Like if you want security, they need full power.
0: And that's come up a couple of different times. So on one of the spark episodes with uh, the Tom and Lonnie chat, we talked about hybrid manufacturing and the value that hybrid manufacturing has in, uh, dyes dyes and molds either creating mm. dies and molds or repairing or uh, modifying there's a lot of value in if you have a hybrid machine or have access to it um, and one of the questions was in the future if i'm a business and i'm looking uh, to integrate hybrid manufacturing or additive into my strategy what type of skill set do i want to incl- include as part of that capex purchase because now you've bringing in welding processes now you bring in you know theoretically casting type techniques, Um, you know, do you need to hip your parts? There's a lot of questions that, you know, uh, a company that focuses purely on subtractive won't be able to answer without bringing a new skill. So the idea of, hey, these rampant technology growth is going to require new skills and new people to support it is, uh, is fascinating to me. And it's really interesting times because it shows a lot of um, uh, the need for people still in the future. Everyone talks about automations, artificial intelligence, going to get rid of people. N- not quite. It'll help people make, no. it'll make them faster, smarter, stronger, but we're still going to need people. We're, we're always going to need a lot
1: of people. It's still you know, a team effort.
0: Still a team effort.
1: And, and the team is, instead of like two humans, it's now the humans and the the machines. It's, yeah. It really is a team effort.
0: One of the fun, no uh, fun parts about Spark is we hosted the, uh, we re- revamped the technology forum this year. Where we brought in uh, industry-led research uh, for industry, and I was really happy with the volume of speakers we had and the content we had. Steve, I don't know if you had any uh, good highlights or takeaways. Um, We can bring up our good friend Yonda Nice again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely going to bring up Yonda Nice again. Um, We touched on. I don't want to get too into details about. Uh, the tech forum only because we did talk a good amount about the tech forum. I mean, the tech forum is the title of the last episode of the podcast we just did. But one thing I didn't say in the last episode, and it is uh, uh, with respect to what uh, we learned from Yonda nice is that the definition either has (laughs) either the definition has changed of digital twin since last year, or um, probably more realistically, I finally learned the actual <laughs> definition of digital twin. But, you know, in 2020, uh, as, as a recognized transformative technology of AMT, sure. uh, digital twin was, you know, a very advanced model, but not just a model, a simulation and a series of compounding models to make a digital subsystem for either your product or your process. Right. And so like, like, yeah, you can have a really good CAD model of something where all of your moving parts are digitized and, and you can simulate it in a wooden tunnel and do all of your computational fluid dynamics, but also do a simulation of its manufacturing. And oh, you also have the model of the machine that makes said part. And that machine exists in a model environment that has a full replication of, um, the laws of physics that right, we live right. with. And, you know, we, that's what we thought. And, you know, we thought, at least I thought last year, a digital twin was a digital model, right? That focusing on digital, we're here. Last year, we were focusing on digital with digital twin. And the model was, would basically, your digital twin was as deep and as far as you are willing to program it, right? Is your digital twin. And then Yonda Nice comes along during the tech forum and is like, no, you don't want to go too deep. You you need to go with a certain level of depth. But at the end of the day, you're focusing on digital. We don't want to focus on digital. It's the twin is the word that you want to focus on. The emphasis on twin. Mm. It can't be a digital twin unless there is a physical representation of your part." You know if you have a digital model and there's no it's not it's literally not a twin yeah if you have right. the physical piece that you're modeling then the model becomes a digital twin right so it's it's getting into you know semantics and right you know being specific but that's what i learned for 2021 and that helps and that a was lot my main takeaway and that
0: helps a lot because i think i, f- I still feel like it's still a, a nebulous term that we don't you can't put my hand around yet but as Teams like uh, Jan and uh, everyone else working uh, on the digital uh, twin standard and ISO. I forgot uh, what the name of that working group is, but you know, the further they enhance the definitions, the more real it becomes. Right, the fir- the closer it becomes. Uh, I understand this thing now, and I- I'm really excited for
1: that. Um, yeah, like just let me just expand a little bit more, um, and I promise I'll be done. But like a c- couple podcasts ago. Uh, I was talking about how I brought up how um, at my last visit, dentist visit, they did a 3d scan of right. my mouth right. and then showed me on this big screen, my mouth in 3d and they did all of the simulations of what grinding would look like, what my bite looks like. And In that episode where I brought that up, I was a little bit hesitant to refer to it as a digital twin. I was just like, it's just a really good 3D scan and subsequently a 3D model of my mouth. But then realized my mouth is the physical part. (laughs) What they had were showing me on screen and they were simulating is the digital part. That is quite literally an applied digital twin. And I saw it in dentistry before (laughs) I saw it in manufacturing.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. It's wild. Uh, one of the uh, fun times I had was hosting the Tom, Tom and Lonnie chat. And uh, so these are uh, some of the leaders uh, from Oak Ridge National Labs. Uh, they're heading up the manufacturing demonstration facility. Um, and uh, they came up with a series of uh, things that they're working on at Oak Ridge, uh, you know, talking about additive. They're talking about like, big area additive, uh, you know, concrete printing for you know, large houses. Um, oh, is then- this the moonshot? Oh, no, no. So that's the moonshot a different one. Um, okay. There was uh, a lot of good stuff. Man. They also talked about IoT for manufacturing. The moonshot was a very, very unique idea that could revolutionize the manufacturing industry. Uh, the specific one uh, Tony Schmitz was leading was focused on uh, replacing a machine tool base, uh, subtractive manufacturing base. Yeah, so most bases it. are cast, um, some cast material, cast metal. Um, And the problem is in the U.S., the uh, ability to create such large casting is very, very low. So a lot of that's imported, um, which obviously now is a fairly big problem uh, with uh, the pandemic and, uh, you know, the current trade and tariffs. So the idea would be to... The
1: energy costs and environmental issues associated.
0: So the idea would be, what can the U.S. do instead of uh, copy and pasting the current... um, (laughs) You know stuff we're importing. So let's try something different. So what they did is they printed the shell of the um, the base, and they poured concrete into it. And then they're using that poured concrete with this additively grown part um, supporting it uh, to start attaching the motion control systems on it, the beds and ways. So that was a that's their first idea is uh, making a machine tool base out of concrete. And the the one they're working on is kind of a gantry style. Um, and the additive section is actually going to become a mold in the future, so it won't be, it won't need the, um, uh, it won't be a one-time use
1: print. uh, And you can use it with metal. Correct. Correct. I think it's so cool that like their, their, their moonshot ideas, like remember those old ads, television ads back in the day of like, uh, this law firm for signs and Kirk. If you have a phone, you have a lawyer, (laughs) like their moonshot ideas. If you have a 3D printer, you have a foundry.
0: <laughs> exactly. And it's very fascinating. So, the, one of the engineers was working on it was uh, Emma Betters. And she actually presented the ability to tune a machine tool. So, one of the issues that you run into is like resonance as, just, as mm-hmm. things moving on, vibration resonance, and dampening, and yeah. all these different things. And she did a demonstrator on the smaller part where I can create a, uh, a base or a, a structure. And obviously, I can understand its dynamics, and then modify it to meet the uh, the dynamics that I want. And I found that very fascinating. Yeah, that can be done at a different level on the casting, but the ability to do it like as a one-off case, which obviously additive does help itself quite a bit for one-offs. But um, sure. I thought that was very, very fascinating. And she presented that like a year or two ago at the uh, uh, I think it was American Society of Precision Engineering conference two years ago. Um, and now she's working on this moonshot idea. So the things with the Tom and Lonnie chat was, the big takeaway is, you know, that Oak Ridge is doing some very, very cutting edge stuff, right? They've got a, Absolutely. a, a neutron source. For those of you who do know, know what a neutron source is, there's not too many of them in the world. They have it at Oak Ridge, uh, obviously on the classified section. But in the manufacturing demonstration facility, they're doing some pure cutting edge stuff. And the big takeaway is the stuff they're doing is value add to the industry. They're, the stuff they're doing is, making businesses become more efficient, making businesses more profitable in manufacturing. The type of innovations that they're spitting out and generating is always in partnership with an industry company that has a very, very specific problem. They solve that problem, and it's repeatable. And it is in such a way, they generate the um, knowledge in such a way that um, it can be done over and over again, and the, the company is... You know, becomes a a, a pioneer or leader, or technology leader in in their space. You know, they they mention a couple of interesting use cases of using additive for like construction applications. You know, the first idea is, yeah, I could print a house. That's that that, that technology is maturing. I think there's houses in the Northeast you could probably buy that's been grown somewhere. But the idea of uh, making molds out of um, uh, using additive manufacturing, and those molds make your um, uh, concrete uh, blocks. Uh, so the case that they had was uh, this construction company had, you know, like 200 some panels that are all unique, that they'd use wood forms uh, to make their molds, but they grew the molds instead. Uh, so they reduced re- re- um, um, construction time, and they were able to use the molds more than they could to the uh, wooden molds. So overall, you know, the profitability of the project just skyrocketed because of that. And, th- and that's the big takeaway is that if you if you have a problem, if you have an idea, if you have a um, a need, you know, contacting Oakridge and say, hey, this is something I'm kind of interested in doing. Have you guys seen this problem? Will probably get you pretty far. It's surprising that um, the willingness that they are uh, the need and willingness that they'll support the industry and in solving problems is, is is amazing. And the problems that they have solved and the companies that have benefited from it are great. Uh, Steve, the last thing I want to talk about was your efforts on Demo Days on Spark. Tell me what are demo days and some of your
1: highlights. So the demo days which uh, are just ending today, um, well they've ended already, but uh, the demo days was, you know, to wrap up IMTS Spark, we wanted to have a couple weeks where every Wednesday for a couple weeks, we would have a, that week would have a particular topic, whether it was automation or or additive manufacturing, or milling. Um, And the final week, of course, was turning and production machining. Um, But uh, it was, you know, we would have uh, for a few hours during the middle of the day, um, a session, multiple sessions where people could log in and watch directly from the companies on display uh, showing off, you know their latest offerings and doing actual product demonstrations of the technology that they have on display yep. and it was it was a way for our members and exhibitors to um, take a digital stab at what we all missed out on of not having an imts in person sure. and being able to stand in front of that new metal and uh you know really get to embrace uh, you know, the latest technology and all of its in-person glory, you know, instead of having an analog show, this was a digital show and it was, it was the best, you know, everybody missed having an IMTS, but this was the closest you could get to actually seeing, you know, machine tools and and technology in general in motion on the shop or on the show floor in front of you, but from the comfort of your own couch. Um, and we got to see, there, there was, I mentioned the topics that we, uh, the weekly uh, themes that we had, but, uh, you know, this, we just wrapped up this week and today actually with our last one, which was the, uh, the, the season finale, if you would, uh, which was turning in production machine, but uh, oh. to kick off every session on every Wednesday, uh, Jules and I would host two SMEs who would come on and we would uh, interview them. We'd we'd throw some questions at them and, you know, they'd give us their insight on what we could expect to see at that uh, week's demo day. And um, for this last one turning in production, I got to interview Steve Lesnowich and I had a lot of time fun doing it because, you know, he's been in industry for a long time now. He's seen a lot and you know, instead of get, gathering his insights of what the future of turning and production machining looks like, he was like he he got to tell me uh, and everybody who was watching some really cool, awesome stories of where it came from. Sure. And, and like the first story he opened with was with his time. I think it was five years at uh, Citizen. Okay, probably more than that. Um, but his time at Citizen and their uh, you know their Swiss machines, their Swiss lathes, and um, he was telling me about, you know, they had a medical supplier that mm-hmm. came to them and they were like, we need to make these little things. And they're called a FACO tip. Sure. And it was for the medical industry and FACO, P-H-A-C-O. And it's like this little needle sized part that um, would, uh, would vibrate at an ultrasonic frequency, kind of like an acoustic tool um, where like, you know, at at, uh, IMTS, you know, everybody saw acoustic tools, like they'd turn them on and it wouldn't look like the tool's moving at all. And then they'd like splash some water (laughs) on it and the water, as soon as it touches the tool would evaporate right right away because of its frequency it was vibrating at, not because it was hot. There was like no temperature involved. It was the frequency. Well, that's what a FACO tip did. And these FACO tips, had to be made out of titanium Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, I think, I'm sure he went into it, but, uh, and not only did they vibrate, had to be made out of titanium, were really small and turned of course, but you also had to have an inner diameter. You needed to bore out the center of the FACO tip. So you were essentially button rifling or, uh, you know, button broaching a hole in the center of this little FACO tip, um, so when the needle goes into somebody's eye, it vibrates at the ultrasonic frequency, emulsifying a cataract.
0: Okay.
1: And you know, once you emulsify the cataract, you have all that nasty gunk floating around in somebody's eye. You got to vacuum it up. Sure. So that hole was bored in the middle of the phaco tip to, to, to suck it up and right. keep it out away from, uh, the newly cleaned and, and clear environment that was the cataract free eye. Um, and again, this was turned yep. micro saw like a, a minuscule, essentially gun barrel made out of titanium right. that had to vibrate at uh, ultrasonic frequency. And this was done in the 80s. <laughs> he did this in the, they did yeah. this in the 80s, yeah. man. So like, this is how far it's come. Sure. That's and. Amazing. Then on top of that, I think uh, the medical company that needed this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, they even came back and were like, "Oh yeah, the FDA just uh, passed legislation on this medical product and said, these, these like, you know, these aren't, uh, these these can't be cleaned and reused. Right. These expensive small parts <laughs> can't be cleaned and reused. These are a one-time thing. You use it once and you throw it away. <laughs> so." <laughs> not we need to make a lot of them they're gonna cost a lot of money and it's just he he, that was just his first story and he had a bunch of other ones like that were really insightful that like you know he saw the advent of um lean manufacturing and lights out (laughs) manufacturing and that was his during his time at uh at Daewoo Doosan okay and um you know Doosan to this day uh that that package that they made that made lights out manufacturing possible mm-hmm. before lean was even a concept um, that they called that package uh, which had standards involved by the way that yeah. were not in existence yet um, that package was called the productivity package that okay. they 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 uh, you know gleefully referred to as the night shift too which was really cool <laughs> but that he, he did mention that the night shift or uh, excuse me the productivity package is still available wow. for Dusan products today. That's cool. Like it's still an option. Yeah, <laughs> like that's amazing. It's just, he, he saw them come up with that. <laughs> um, what was the story in the middle? I don't know. You that's have to okay. go back and watch it. Yeah. Like it, it was really fun. And if you missed anything, um, you did t- talk about this earlier. If you missed anything from not just IMTS demo days, but anything in general on IMTS Spark, because like, like I said, we pivoted from being a organization in the manufacturing industry that puts on a week long trade show every two years to a full on digital media company, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because of a pandemic. So, and we put out, we got to pat ourselves on the back because we put out a lot of awesome content. And because there was so much content, if anybody missed any of it, you go to IMTS spark and it will be, all of it's available on demand until June.
0: Awesome. That's exciting. See, where can they find more info about us?
1: If you want more information about us and we're not going to go anywhere, you know, we're going to be on past June. You'll always be able to find <laughs> us. But uh, if you want more about the AMT tech trends podcast, go to amtnews.org. And if you really want to follow us hardcore, you go to amtnews.org slash subscribe. Awesome.
0: You know, I'm, uh, it's kind of a bittersweet uh, day, uh, closing spark. And uh, I don't know about you. I'm ready for a drink. Ready so, for a drink. <laughs> so is the audience. So at the end of this episode, I recommend everyone's go get a drink and uh, have a good time. Thanks, everyone.
1: That's right. Bye, everybody.